This is Pastor Joseph Davis. Thank you for joining the radio ministry of Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. We believe the Word of God is the lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. This Word will bless you right now. Some of us are growing weary, some of us are getting tired, some of us are getting frustrated. But sometimes, even in our new age of church, we're used to things that say, you know, we're used to what I call fresh word or fresh revelation. And all those things are fine. We definitely want nothing stale. All right, we want something fresh from the heart of God. But those terms and words always sometimes make us hunt for new stuff all the time. And sometimes God wants us to just keep swinging what we've been swinging doing what we've been doing because through consistency and being persistent there are some things that's going to break through for us and so i'm telling you guys been working on me mentally emotionally so i don't do you and i teach you and train you uh, the wrong way that makes you think that sometimes you got to come in here and uh, do a cartwheel in the back flip and when you go home Everything is going to be well. The truth of the matter is that sometimes you do what's right and after you obey, the Bible says, you have need of patience. And so there are times you just have to be flat out relentless, flat out consistent, flat out uh, routine in what you do. And many times the breakthrough happens by your consistency. Just by doing what God told you to do. Don't worry about trying to add nothing to it. Don't worry about trying to get fancy with it. Keep doing what you've been doing because it's working for you and it's going to work for you. I think that's really even the revelation when we see David come on the scene to fight Goliath. And Goliath actually is a doorway. Fighting Goliath, David and Goliath, is a doorway into David's destiny. David has already been anointed king at this point. He's already been anointed king, but he's not the king. He's already anointed. Say, my future's already on me. Yeah, I ain't got it. Say, my future's already on me. David was already anointed king, already, but he was still keeping sheep. It was almost to say, is how am I gonna get there from here? How am I going to become that from this? And when he's on the scene, about to fight Goliath because of the rhetoric, because of the fear that's in the camp, because of what everybody has to say, because of what Saul the king is saying, everybody is telling David to do something different. And David, for a moment, tries something different, and he grabs the sword, the shield, the the coat, everything, the protective arm, armor of Saul, and he's about to try something he never tried before to fight this battle. See, sometimes people tell you, you need something new to win. The truth, the truth of the matter, what you've been doing is still working. It's the pattern that you have. Hallelujah, I done jumped off in something, ain't on my notes, but it's in the spirit realm of what I'm talking about. Uh, 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 the pattern you've been working is, is working for you, and the enemy wants you to quit what's working. 
David is actually at the threshing floor about to cross over into the next part of his season. And this is what God's been telling me. And the Holy Ghost knows what he's doing. He knows how to teach and preach. This is what God told me. Many of you are in a pivotal, pivotal moment. It is pivotal. It means that what you do next matters most. It means you need to pivot yourself for a move. It means your next step is going to be strategic. Your next step is going to be a divine step, but you need to recognize you're in a pivotal moment. Here was David in that moment. Saul is saying, put on my armor, and David responds, I have not proved these things. Meaning I have not used this before. I have not worked, I have not gotten victory with your sword and with your armor. I have not proven these things. And so David takes off all the coat, the coat and the armor, and he says, let me go back, here I am, let me go back to what's working. What does he grab? He grabs his old-fashioned slingshot. The same slingshot that he testifies a few verses later and say, with this slingshot, I defeated the lion. With this slingshot, I defeated the bear. I'm trying to remind you there are some principles through the word of God that if you keep on doing it and be relentless in what God has called you to do, you're going to get victory. I don't want you to get seduced by all this new age stuff and you start thinking that what you're working is not working. what you're doing don't mount to anything and that is going to not get you to where God has promised you all David does is grab his slingshot that's all he does grab a slingshot and with that slingshot he grabs five rocks and he only uses one (laughs) only uses one which says that it says that with God it was more than enough see you're thinking what you're doing is not enough your obedience is not enough See, the enemy is about to get some of you off track because you don't understand that the regimen you have the devotion you have your persistence with God is actually working for you but if you get if you decide that ain't working this thing is no good the Bible even tells us not to look at our weapons that way the weapons of our warfare are not what Colonel, but they are what mighty so David is able to understand that routine works everybody say routine works and this is one of the prophetic uh, notions or uh, principles that I believe God is trying to impart in us as we have been in 400 strong for several months and as a pastor I thought I was moving on to new things and other things and every once in a while God will give me something new and I'll be speaking and preaching and then he'll swing me right back out over to 400 strong and so I want to teach a little bit back for some principles that's going to help you maintain and get what God wants you to get. Y'all ready? I want to teach a little bit from the title. We are those people who have access and help. We have access. I have access and I have help. Let's go to Genesis 3, 8 through 10. I'll use several verses here today just to prove the point that the Holy Spirit has given me. So if you don't mind loving your Bible, a part of my apostolic and pastoral call as well is to encourage the church to be biblically literate. You hear me? Not just be shouting and dancing, but know why you shouting and dancing. There are certain things we have to learn in order to really grow. 
You know, the devil loves ignorant believers. He loves because he toys with your destiny when you don't know the word of God. Hallelujah. When you don't know the word of God for yourself, he toys with your emotions. He toys with your hope. So part of my call is biblical literacy um, in certain ways. And, and because of that, I think strategically God has me use several scriptures um, for that purpose. For one of those purposes. So Genesis 3, 8 through 10. Like I said, I got several verses here. So you're going to have to love your Bible today. It's not going to be a one verse sermon. Hallelujah. Genesis 3, 8 to 10, I want to show you something here. Verse 8 says, and they heard the voice of the Lord, picking up Genesis, Adam and Eve in the garden. They heard the voice of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Walking the voice of the Lord, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. It's speaking about relationship and fellowship and intimacy with God. And Adam hid his wife, Adam and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. What you see here, they have taken on the forbidden fruit. And I want to present to you in scripture one of the, one of the first major tragedies of mankind. Not only the tragedy that I want to describe to you is the tragedy of disobedience and the tragedy of sin because after the tragedy of disobedience and sin which is major it now opens them up to now almost walking in rebellion walking in condemnation and walking in guilt now they're accustomed to fellowship they're accustomed to talking with God they're accustomed in the cool of the day. They're accustomed to intimacy and conversation. But now because of the sin and the disobedience, now they are hiding themselves from the presence of God. I want to say that this is the tragedy within the tragedy. That after the sin, now they're hiding themselves. This is the tragedy. I want to magnify this moment of hiding. I want to magnify what happens after our downfall, what happens after sin, what happens after disobedience. I, I like to magnify and freeze moments so we can focus a little bit on this moment and see how they are behaving after the sin. They're hiding themselves from the presence of God and hiding among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? Where are you, Adam? And he said, it's the words, the words, it's the questions of confrontation, accountability. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid, my, hid myself. We already know he was already naked. But now because the glory of the Lord is now off of them because of sin, now they recognize they are naked. It's the, it's the illumination of sin consciousness now. Now they are sin conscious. What was once holy is now not viewed as holy anymore. They have different eyes now. Right? But I want you to see what I believe the tragedy is, is that God is looking for Adam and, and Adam is running from God. 
it shows us the nature of God it shows us the mindset of God and, and, and maybe we don't preach it too often but it's here in the text that after the sin God was looking for them after the downfall God was looking for them it's, off, it's, it's to say that one of the things that God was hoping for, even though he didn't wish that no man fall, but one thing he was hoping for is that Adam and Eve would come back to him. One thing he was hoping for is that Adam and Eve would use their access and use their relationship with him. It's almost to say, I've given you access, and I'm going to talk about prayer here, Many times we just talk about prayer being words, which is true, but prayer is actually what forms the relationship that we have with Father God. Do you understand as mankind made in his image that we are on the only beings created to talk to and talk with him? God don't have communion and fellowship with animals. I don't care how much you love animals and work for Peter. I don't care how much we love our, our, our pets and domestic animals, that's fine. God doesn't have relationship that he talks with them and communes with them. Now he can use a dog, he is sovereign and creator, he can use a dog, but a dog don't do in the session. We are the one created in his image and one of the gifts that he has given us and I want you to now look at this thing as a gift. I want you to look at the ability to talk to God is a gift. The ability to conversate with him, the ability to have language and develop relationship with God is a gift. So in this instance, I believe one of the tragedies is that even after Adam and Eve were seduced in the garden is that they begin to lose the gift. The gift of communication, the gift to talk to God. I believe what you do after your fall, after your sin, in your tragedy, in your calamity could change drastically depending on what you do after it. I want you to see clearly that God was looking for them. I want you to see that. To talk to them. To commune with them. He even said, where are you? And the Bible describes what Adam said, what happens with sin consciousness. It describes that. I love talking about it. Adam just went on a whole sin conscious rampage, wasting time with God. He said, where are you? And he started talking about, it was the woman you gave me. That's what he said. He said, where art thou? He said, I heard that voice and I was afraid because I was naked. He said, what have I done? He said, you know, then he said, it was with the woman you gave. Now, he didn't say that a few verses back in Genesis 2 when God created Eve and brought Eve to him, put him to sleep, brought Eve, made a rib, took the rib, made uh, Eve from the ground, from his rib, and woke him up and presented Eve to him, or presented, excuse me, presented the woman to him. That's what the Bible says. Presented the woman to him. Right? Because she came out of the womb of man. The side of man. Adam said, this is bone of my bone. Read your Bible. God didn't ever say that. Adam was full of the Holy Ghost. Stirred in the spirit. Looked at Eve and said, this is bone of my bone. 
flesh of my flesh. I call it Mac Daddy time. It was just, uh, that's me right there. Bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. And he said, God didn't say, you shall be called Eve because you shall be the mother of all. Now, that's what he said. But when he didn't use access, when he didn't use conversation, when sin consciousness was overwhelming his life, when condemnation and guilt was running his mindset, now when God talks to him about his situation, now he tells God, God, it was the woman you gave me. In other words, I was fine. I love to preach this kind of stuff. I was fine. God, we were walking in the cool of the day. Me and you. It's almost like now I'm going to blame God for blessing me. It's scapegoat. It's, it's, it's being, not being accountable. And he says, the woman you gave me. And it shows us the fallen nature of sin when we don't use the access. I really wanted you to see there that we have access with God and God wants us to talk to him. Let's go to Luke 15. I'm still preaching the same points. I'm teaching today. You got access, you have help. The enemy don't want you to talk to God. Cause what you and God may say, what you and God may establish when y'all start talking, what covenants and agreements you may come into after you start talking back to God may put you back in right standing with God. You may end up repenting while you talk. You may end up apologizing, getting things right while you talk. And the enemy wants you to suffer through condemnation, through guilt and anxiety. I got to deal with these behaviors that keep us out of the presence of God. Luke 15. I told you I'm doing familiar stories for those who've been Sunday school a little bit, Bible study, prayer band, young people willing workers, uh, whatever your denomination is, you know what I'm talking about. VBS, we, yeah, we in some VBS scriptures today. Watch this in Luke 15, 17, 24. It's the story of the prodigal son. 17, and when he came to himself, the prodigal son, that's, that's, that's powerful all by itself. He left the home, father gave him his inheritance, he spent all his inheritance on riotous, uh, undisciplined living, he went into a famine, he's about to eat with the pigs, and he comes to himself. It means that he returned back to the mindset that works, he, came, he had an awakening. His mind start turning back. Wait a minute. You ever been into a place where you're saying, this ain't me. This, this ain't me. I don't know what's going on with me. I know I've been tripping. I'm better than this. I know I need to be behaving the way I'm behaving. This is not me. This is not. You ever start talking to yourself? This, what are you doing, Joe? You ever start self-counseling yourself and talk? What are you doing now in your life? This is not you. You know this is not right. This is what's happening uh, to this son. His consciousness of wrong is now being elevated so now he can make a decision for right. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? 
and I perish with hunger. I want you to understand what he's doing here. He's using an analogy and a perspective of why am I in this situation? Why am I here when my father has hired servants? I'm a son. And there are people who are in the company of my father who are not his direct children and he blessing them. And they have bread enough and to spare and I'm sitting here hungry. In other words, he's saying, what's wrong with you, boy? I know you are dealing with emotions that are telling you not to get up. Emotions not to change. Emotions not to make pivotal decisions. Not to make this critical. I know these things are trying to overwhelm. He says, why am I here? Here it is. I will get up. I will arise. I will go to my father. I will say unto him, father. Here it is. It's a conversation. I will say unto him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. So he's using an analogy here and says, well, if the hired servants have bread enough to spare, I might as start talking to my father, start repenting, conversation to my father and tell him, and look, I'm no word to be called the son. Make me as a hired servant. Again, I want you, everyone to know, verse 19, while it's a good uh, idea to get up, he's still not speaking the master's or the father's full plan. Because the master's full plan is for not you to return to him and be half of what he called you to be. Although he's moving now. Many times even as we're getting acquainted or access back to God, talking to God, sin nature still trying to develop us. Dirt is still on us. What we've been apart is still trying to speak out and tell us who to be. Now he's arising, he's trying to get back home, but at the same time his consciousness is still coming out of sin nature. What I'm trying to tell you, that even sometimes when you talk to God, if you don't get renewed in your mind, you will start talking to God out of an unregenerated mindset. What I'm trying to say is, could your prayer request be too low? Could you be asking something from God out of an unredeemed, ungenerated mindset and an ungenerated spirit? He said, I'm going to go home, but I'm not going to be a son. I'm not going to have covenant benefits. I'm going to be like a hired servant. And see, this is important. This is why I'm talking about language and access, because what you say means everything. And if the devil can get you to start talking, different than how scripture talks and talking different than how the father thinks you always potentially not have the best everybody say the best outcome yeah. this is the other thing god keep pushing me for i don't even know how to totally get it out to you and i'm trying to get it out to you i'm trying to get out to you as i'm teaching here what i'm trying to get out to you is maybe the situation you're in here it is i mean go home after this Maybe the situation you're in, if you learn how to bring God in it, acknowledge God in it, there is no telling what the best possible outcome could be. This is what I'm trying to get you to get. You, 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 if you start talking to God, bring him in the situation, knowing he wants to redeem you, knowing he wants to bring you to good place. 
place. It's, there's no possible, uh, there's no understanding of what he can do potentially next with that situation. Here it is. You're going to see the outcome here. He said, make me as a hired servant. 20. He arose. He came to his father. God help me. But when he was yet, Lord help me. I'm preaching this like I ain't never preached before. I'm so, I'm so excited about it. He arose. I want you to watch this, man. God. Sometimes I wish we would just read the Bible. He arose. Came to his father. He's up. He's moving towards God. But watch this. But when he was yet a great way off. Not up to par. Not meeting the standards. He's still a far. Say he's far off. He's far off. Not where he should be, but he was coming. Oh God, not, not, not living up to his full potential, but he was coming. He was still a great way off. And, and can have a long way to go. But look at it says, his father saw him. He saw him. He saw him making changes. He saw him making adjustments. He saw him making tweaks. He saw him trying to get it right. Because you know what it is? When you got dirt on, you just trying to gotta get this dirt off me. He saw him patting the dirt off of him, getting the wrinkles out of his clothes, trying to get himself. He saw him making changes and said, this is basically what he was saying. He saw him had compassion on him. Tell ain't no telling. What can happen in your situation? Had compassion on him. See, that's why we got to, as a church, be careful. I, I just can't stop teaching this. I just think the church is getting too mean. While we hold people accountable, we also are merciful. The Bible tells us to speak truth. In love. You know, you just can't start preaching truth and say, I'm going to say it anything on you. You have to speak truth in love. We can't just be mean. We can be strong. We can be bold. We can correct. Come on, somebody. We can cry loud and spare not. I I'm weary of people that's the only scripture they know. Only one. Cry loud. Spare not. That's the only scripture you always talk about. All these other scriptures in there. All the, all the other ones. That's the only one you see. The father had compassion on somebody who sinned, fell astray, and he ran. The father ran. In other words, it's almost like the father said he's changing, but I can't let him change by himself. See, this is, this is, this is, this is the righteousness of God. Some of y'all catching it. He said he's trying to make changes, meaning God gives us a will. We make some choices. We start stepping towards him. But nothing in our full power can make us fully change into the being we are called to be. Matter of fact, we can't even save ourselves. All the thing we can do is ask to be saved. It's the blood. It's the work of finished work of Jesus Christ that has to do the purchase of our salvation. Come on. Even while he's trying to change, the father says he can't do it alone. I got to jump in this fight. Lord help me. He can't, he can't get through this by himself. I got to jump in this fight because I don't want the devil to think that he can get there by himself. 
got to talk to me. He can't get there. And so the father doesn't sit there talking about him. Dirty cell. Hard headed cell. Stubborn cell. He had compassion. See, some of us be saying the wrong things at the wrong time. This man, to our children, to people, this man is in motion, trying to get himself right, and, 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 and he's talking to, he's talking about talking to the father, and the father has compassion, and he ran. The father ran. The father ran. See, we act like we're the only people running to God. Like, who, who preached to you lately that God was running to you? Who, who preached to you lately that God was chasing you down while you was in that situation? That God was hunting you and God was holy stalking you. I had to put holy in front of it. Ran to this man. Fell on his neck. Kissed him. Affection. What you needed most when you felt like in, you just, when the devil told you it was no good and you just messed up your whole family. And uh, look at you what I've done to your life. You know, messed up your marriage. Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all know the devil. Y'all know the devil. Why you down? You think, you see, see, we think why we down, the devil be like, let me give him a break. You know, we die within the devil's like, oh, I done, I done got him. No, no, no. No, no. He gonna keep, he gonna keep on you. While you're already down. That's why we need compassion. He ran, fell on his neck. He kissed him. Intimacy. Affection. I gotta get through here. Oh, help. And the son said to him, here it is. Here's the sin nature I've been talking about talking. Sin nature said, Father, I sin against heaven. That's true. And in that sight, here the sin nature. And no more worthy. See what I keep telling about how you talk? You got access. You got help. But you better be careful how you talk to your help. Sometimes God people put people in your life to support you and help you. And you make them depressed wanting to help you. You give them a list of 10 reasons why they shouldn't bless you. God done told them to bless you. God done told them to be kind to you. And you done gave them a list. Just hush up. See, this is what the true gospel teaches us. And that's why nobody in the gospel ministry has any room to be arrogant. Because we received something we didn't pay for. I said we received something we didn't pay for and we were never good enough for and while we were not worthy through his blood he made us worthy and in that he made us fit to be kings and priests we were no good we was ratchet dirty trash but he made us fit we didn't pay for it he gifted it to us no one in the body of Christ have any reason to be arrogant proud and boastful because you're just growing in something that was gifted to you you're just maturing in something that has been gifted to you you could never be good enough to pay for this righteous gift that was given to us on the cross you can never be good enough 
said, Father, I've sinned against heaven in our sight. Confession, proper. But here's the problem. Am no more worthy. Be careful what you say. To be called our son. In other words, cancel your covenant benefits. There are people, I'm talking to somebody. There are people who've made mistakes, sins, and shortcomings. And now the people start telling you that you ought not to have your best life in God because of the sins in the past of your life. Yes, there is a balance. There is consequences to actions and sins. But I know a God who is merciful. I know a God who will bless you anyway. And if you read this Bible, you will see that God is merciful. Come on, you ain't saying nothing to me. David sinned with the, uh, with the sin of adultery with Bathsheba. Sure did. Had Uriah put on the front line, set him up, and, had, and took him out and had him killed. Knew what he was doing. The man was so faithful, he wouldn't go home to his wife. He slept at the front of the door of where David was. And every time David came out, there was Uriah sitting there faithful. But David knew he had already been with his wife Bathsheba. So, so David says, what I'm going to do is be scandalous. Yeah, talking about scandalous. You ain't got to watch no TV. You read this Bible, you're going to see some scandals. You ain't got to watch no TV. This, I'm, this is it here. David said, I, I'm gonna, I got this. He going to go home and think the baby his. Scheming. He goes home. But he, he wasn't go home. David set him up and have him killed. Soon later, the prophet come, give him a riddle. You know about the ewee bitty sheep and all that kind of stuff. This little man, you know, had a little bit of sheep. Ewee, little ewee bitty sheep. That's what the Bible described. And this other man had so much, but he took from the man that just had a little bit. He said, David, what would you do with that man? David said, I'll have his head cut off. I'll kill him. about it you about to be seated I'm telling you there's something about self-righteousness knowing that you've been guilty or there's something about self-righteousness make you overlook how dirty you are how treacherous you've been and make you point the finger David had the bonus to tell the prophet I'll kill this man and this man all of this and all of that and then the prophet said you are the man you the man it was like, then it was like, Lord have mercy. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Kill them, Lord. Let me, let me teach this. Because there's something happening in here. Because I believe we're about to see a manifestation of mercy that's going to take you places, that's going to baffle people's minds. No mercy going to that. We think the only vehicle to greatness is work. We think the only vehicle to great things is work. And I'm not against work. But mercy is way greater than work. Come on. Come on. Mercy can take you places. Meaning you ain't paid for it. But God did it through his grace. Unmerited favor. You did, he wanted you to be with kings and queens. Come on. They could have picked anybody. You weren't the only one qualified. Matter of fact, they were people better than you. But God told them to pick you anyway. David says, kill a man. 
Let me finish my story, my point of mercy. David said, kill a man. Nate said, you are the man. He said, God will kill you, but God will be merciful to you. He pays a consequence for his sin. The child that he has by Jesheba dies. God passes on the sin to the child. Hmm. That's enough in itself. But after the child, while the child is sick, ill, David talks to God. David talks to God. Praise and fast with God. Because he knows in certain circumstances, God's heart is merciful and God will turn that thing around. So David starts fasting, getting in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord says, no, I'm not turning it this time. Right? I'm not turning it this time. And the child dies. When the child dies, his servant men don't want to tell David that the child is dead, has died. Because they know that some people just get distraught when God says no. And since God said no to this, or he disciplined me over that, then my life is over. Always on the edge. Got to back some Back on up, y'all. Back on up. Back on up. Always on the edge. And, and they was afraid to tell him. And David kind of figured out through their motion. You know, they like, you know, David kind of figured out through their motion. Oh, the child died. The Bible records, this is where I'm, where I'm going. David washed his face, changes his clothes, and said, God is sovereign. God punished me for my sin, but I'm not about to live in condemnation. I'm not about to live in misery. I'm trying to free somebody and help them through the grace of God. I'm not about to live. Come on, God done punished me. He done did what he had to do, but I'm moving on in the grace of God. David gets up, washes his face, and then God sends the same prophet. I love the word of God. Lord Jesus, some of us quit on God in between seasons. The same prophet who rebuked him came back to him and said, you in a new season now, David. You're no longer being punished. You're no longer being penalized for your sin because you stayed with God through the process. Y'all ain't hearing me. The same prophet came back to him and told him, marry Bathsheba. He married Bathsheba. She got pregnant and now had another child. See, there's no telling what God can do if you stay with him and keep talking to him. There's no telling what God can do. Turn that thing around. Mm -hmm. Let me finish this. I think I'm about done, I think. But the father said his service. Here it is. Here's the best possible outcome. You got access. You got help. But the father said to his servants, he's talking over there, I ain't worthy, I'm just glad to be in the house. Whew. I'm just glad to be in the house. It was rough out there. I'm just glad to be in the house. Pastor, I ain't got to do nothing. You gifted, you skilled, you got all these gifts, all these abilities. Pastor, I ain't got to do nothing. I'm just glad to be in the house. Mm -mm. I said, no, no, no. You got talents, gifts, and abilities. He said, no, no. But the father said to his servants, verse 22, bring me forth, ah, oh, God, help me. I'm seeing stuff I ain't seen before. Bring me forth 
the best road. Y'all see that? Tell somebody the best is on its way. Listen to this. Who, who said that? Who said you couldn't have the best after the worst nightmare? Who said you couldn't have the best after you done? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Who said that you couldn't go to another level after doing the worst of worst and sins of sins? And who said? Who said? Who said that? Who said that? Bring me the best road. Don't you bring me nothing out there with no holes in it? Look like a moth done got to it. Bring me the best road. And put it on him. No, put it on him. Cover up all that dirt. Cover up all that sin. Cover up all that wrongdoing. Cover up his past. Cover up. See what happens through conversation when you start talking to God, you start attracting his resources. You start attracting what you could not do on your own, things you could not provide. You need something to cover that foolishness you was in. You need something to cover the mess you've been through. He, he got something for you. He said, Bring the robe. In other words, <laughs> nobody gonna know where he been unless he tell it. Tell somebody, when you look at me, you can't tell where I've been because the blood has covered me well. You can't tell what I've been in because the blood has washed and covered me well. The only way you know how ratchet I've been is when I tell. With my own mouth and when I testify of where I used to be and where I ain't no more. You don't know where I've been. You don't, you don't know. He covered me. Tell somebody he covered me. Lord, help me slap somebody high five and tell him I'm still covered right now. I feel my help. I'm covered right now. You don't know how low I've been. You don't know how crazy I've been. You don't know how ratchet I've been. You don't know. Tell your baby, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. <laughs> Old saints used to sing songs like, Look where he brought me from. He brought me out of darkness into the marvelous light. Look where. He brought me, tell somebody, he brought me from a mighty long way. Mm-hmm. No, don't tell your name. No, no, he really brought me. <laughs> Lord, help me tell, tell don't say he really brought me. <laughs> Same chapter, but previous verse. Don't describe it as a prodigal son. Describe it as a shepherd. That when the sheep got lost, he went and got the sheep. Lord help me and he put the sheep on his shoulder and carried him back to where he supposed to be tell somebody he brought me back I didn't just walk back on my own he put me on his shoulder and he brought me back no he brought me back mm-hmm. he covered him put it down put it down best row you know about that Best role. Everybody say best role. Who could have thought when we start reading this story 
that this son was going to end up putting on the best robe. Who would have thought that? Who would have thought when he was spending his money with riotous living and blowing it, blowing his seasons, blowing his opportunity? Who would have thought that God was going to turn this thing around and put the best robe on? But tell somebody, though, if you're jealous now, he ain't done. You better, get your, you better get all your securities together. Because he ain't done. He just only just put the robe on me. Because the other thing he put on me, he put a ring on my hand. Uh-huh, look at it, yeah. Look at it, uh-huh. Uh-huh. He put a ring. It means I belong to him. I mean, that's my son. I mean, you still in covenant with me. And although you done left me, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. You ain't hear me? I'm still, I'm, you still my son. <laughs> put a ring on you. <laughs> yeah, you still mine. Put a ring. Maybe he lost the previous ring. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel such a renewal in relationship with God for some. I feel such a renewal in communication with God. Maybe he lost the previous robe. Maybe everything that God gave him when he walked away, he lost it all. But God said, I got, more. I got another robe. Put a ring on his hand. That ain't all. I love this one, Paul. Put shoes on his feet. Came home barefoot. Put shoes on his feet. And meaning he's, his steps are now going to be ordered by the Lord. The Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of them who bring the gospel. It means he's going to be walking in right paths. It also means that his destiny is still intact. When he puts shoes on his feet, see, I'm the kind of person, I don't know about you, I'm still kind of old school. I have body language that tells you where I am and what I'm going to do. When I come home, as long as I got shoes on my feet, you can get something out of me. I don't know what it is, but when those shoes come off, I am done for the day. When I put them shoes off and twinkle them toes on them, Put that foot up and let back that lazy boy. I'm, I'm just about done. Because shoes on his feet represents he can do certain things. It means he's prepared for work and kingdom advancement. He prepared to do what God has called him to do. God said, I'm putting shoes on your feet. Tell your neighbor you're going places. Mm -hmm. I ain't finished yet. Just what happened when you start talking to God? I ain't even going to go to the rest of it. Lord, help me. Oh, Jesus. Stay so good. 23 said, bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Kill it. Get the fatted calf. Everybody say a fat calf. I want you to understand the descriptive words of God. Best robe, ring on the finger, shoes on the feet, fat calf. Don't bring me no skinny, malnutrition, anorexic, just coming out of starving, sickly looking calf. Give me the biggest one, fat and juicy, that we save for special occasions. Now I'm, I'm trying to tell you, with your access, there's no telling what, what party God's about to throw for you. 
There's, there's no telling of the supernatural turnaround that's about to happen in your life when you start talking and communicating with God. Don't tell him what's about to happen. I'm telling you. I got one, two more verses and we're going to be done. Bring in the fat of God, kill it, let us eat, be merry. For this son, my, for this, my son, not my servant, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be married. Let's go to Genesis 16, 1 through 5. These are our last two parts and we're done. So this is why I feel the peace of the Lord at the end today. This is part one. Access and everybody's supposed to say access and help. Don't you understand? You got access and you have help. You start talking to God, God start working on some things. You start talking to God about your dilemmas and your circumstances. You start talking to God. When you involve God in it, ain't no telling what he'll do with your GED. Oh, y'all playing with it? I say, ain't no talent. You bring God in. Bring God in that, that GED that you have. He's like, God, I don't wasted my years on drugs. I don't wasted my years being careless. I don't wasted my years doing, not doing what my grandma told me to finish school. I dare you to give God that high school education and watch what God can do to a person who will follow him with what you have. With what you have. With what you have. Here we go. It's our last two. Patches that I'm going to put together in Genesis. Two passages I'm going to put together and we'll be done. Genesis 16, 1 through 5. Yeah. I got to show you this. I love this. Yeah. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, bare him no children. And she had an handmaid, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord have restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my maid. I told you, here, here, here you want drum? Right here. It may be that I, it may be that I may obtain children by her, like a surrogate mother. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. In other words, I sure will. <laughs> Lord help. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dealt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Drama. Gave your husband over to the other woman. And now you don't like the other woman. All because you didn't wait on God and try to get something another way instead of talking to God and, and, and working with God, got frustrated. How many know you can make grave mistakes when you get frustrated? When you get overwhelmed, you like, forget it all. I've been waiting this long. I might as well go and do what I want to do. Since the Lord done delayed his coming, I might as well get into some sin while he's delaying his coming. Come on now. Start doing all types of things while we're waiting. 
And Sarah said unto Abram, my, my wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I would despise in her eyes, the Lord judge between me and thee. And we know this is how Ishmael was birthed. Ishmael, the son of Abraham through Hagar. But let's look at Genesis 25, 20 and 21. Genesis 25, 2021. And Isaac, who is the son of Sarah. So after a season, they had just what God wanted to have. At first, Abraham was like, I'm old, God. You're going to have to accept Ishmael. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm old. I done made mistakes. And it ain't no sense of you trying to bring no child through me and my wife Sarah. You need to accept Ishmael as the promised son. God said, nope. I know what I promised you, and I'm not changing it because you made a mistake. I know what I purposed your life to be, and I'm not changing it because you was with the wrong people at the wrong time, and you don't have some missteps, and now you got some scars, and now you got some bruises, but I am not changing my purpose. So now you got Isaac, and they God blessed him, and they God blessed him with Isaac. And listen to here, listen, look at this. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to, to wife. The daughter of Bethuel, the, the Syrian of Pandaram. The sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him. And Rebecca, his wife, conceived. I want you to show same problem, same situation. But what's the difference? Isaac decided to bring God in that thing. Isaac decided to entreat God. Isaac decided through access and through prayer, I don't have to go through what my daddy went through. I don't have to go through the situation of having an Ishmael because they didn't wait on the Lord. Rather than me getting frustrated about this same circumstance, I can pray and look what God can do if I would just bring God in the situation. Same situation. Same one. Same one. Same one. Broke the curse. I heard somebody say. Broke the pattern. Say, he said, my daddy had to wait for me. He said, but before I mess up and me, oh, that's so good. Oh, that's so good. Ooh. Ooh, that's good. Ooh, God. We who that's so good. We got to get some people to obey and break the curse. Ooh, that's so good. See, Isaac benefited from prayer because he saw what his daddy went through even in pain. He saw what his daddy had to deal with when you got two women in the house and they weren't even getting along at all. So much so that God told Abraham, you got to send Ishmael and his mama away. And out of sympathy and out of big heart, Abraham was like, this is my mess. I done made this mess. And I got to be responsible for this mess. God said, you're going to be responsible. But there's no way your flesh and your spirit going to live together. 
is no way you're going to make me accept your flesh all because you produce this foolishness. He said, get, he said, get Ishmael. He said, get the bond woman and her servant and her son out of your house. Well, in other words, God has a way of putting your mistakes far away from you. I hear the Holy Ghost so that it don't start interfering with your destiny because there are sometimes, I feel the Holy Ghost, sometimes your past will still try to speak up when you're in your moment. But God know how to put that thing far away. Far away. He said, no. You know, sometimes out of guilt, I want y'all to hear that, sometimes out of guilt, we call ourselves sometimes being responsible, but it's not the best decision. Abraham was trying to be responsible, but God says, no, there's no way Ishmael and Isaac going to live together. It's really a typology, metaphoric of your flesh and spirit. There's no way the son of the flesh is going to jail with the son of the spirit. He says, and he tell him, he said, now, because he's your son, you're going to bless him. But you're going to bless him to live way over there. So him and his mama is having a moving day. And they're going to move and you're going to bless them and you're going to set them up. But they are not, I hear the Holy Ghost, they are not going to be interfering with the, 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 the goings on of your house. They're not going to still have a voice in your new house and into your new relationship. I don't know who I'm talking to, but some of y'all need some wisdom on how to handle some of these things you've been in. I'm done. Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife. I am. Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife. Come on, stand. I'm done. Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. I wanted you to see the difference of what God can do when we start accessing him. The help that comes our way. I got so much more I had on that paper. I wanted to talk about the word. I want to talk about angels today. We'll get to that another day. Well, I wanted to talk about angels so bad today. <laughs> How the word and angels work together. Well, I was, woo. We'll get to that later. I ain't going to mess with it right now. Keep your hands lifted. I'm trying to tell you that if you start talking to God about it, some of y'all try to handle everything by yourself. And there is a sense of ownership and responsibility, but after you own it, go ahead and bring it to God. Some of you own stuff and then you bring God in it any type of way. You're like, this is my mistake and you just go, you know. And you have an ego about it. You think somebody don't taught you that's how you handle stuff. But I'm telling you, things can change drastically when you start bringing God in that thing and giving and having access with God. There is so much supernatural help that comes your way when you involve God in these situations and problems and circumstances. That parallel between Abraham and Isaac is generational curse breaking. Also, I, believe, I really believe it also means uh, parents tell your children what didn't go right. I think that's also what it means. Sometimes you, when children get old enough and mature enough, you got to tell them mama wasn't always good. Daddy ain't always wasn't right. Especially if it's a true story, right? Daddy ain't always think right. 
you're at the age I need to tell you some stuff I need to talk to you I believe Isaac had the strength to pray to God in that same situation because the relationship he had with his father Abraham he was able to break the pattern of walking away from God when trouble arises. Oh, he was able to break. Some of us, that's all we see. We grew up in a home that when things go wrong, people steal, cheat, cuss, do all types of stuff. When tough things happen, we've seen people have wrong attitudes and wrong behaviors when they're in trouble. And so you just, you, you're behaving just like your dad did. Every time things get tough, you cuss everybody out. And every time things get rough, you have wrong behaviors because somebody didn't teach you that in tough times, you can bring God in. Because somebody didn't teach you that you can restrain yourself. A little bit of self-control can do wonders. Teach you to discipline yourself. I've been teaching about that ephod. I'm still in the same spirit. Discipline yourself. Can't keep cussing people out and think people are going to be just not hurt by your words. Can't just keep telling people they trash and you ain't nothing. And then two days later, I'm so sorry for what I said. You can't keep doing that and thinking you're going to have a great relationship with them. And nobody ain't going to be putting up with that forever. People who love themselves are going to say, wait a minute, you're going to get some counseling, get some therapy. When you're going to talk to the pastor about it, when you're going to go to prayer, you can't keep talking about it. you don't trust nobody. You can't, you cannot sit there and not change and get better and always talk about you don't trust nobody. No. You got to invite people in. You got to open up. You may need counseling. You may need some therapy. Maybe what you've seen traumatized you. And you need some support. But God wants to get you even out of that place. So you can experience the goodness of God. Give me your hands. Live. I know your hands are supposed to be living. Let me pray. God bless you. If that blessed your soul, we will love for you at your next opportunity to join us in worship every Sunday morning in Monticello, the Victorious Church at 8 a.m. or our Dream Center location here in Tallahassee at 10 a.m. We would love to have you and your family and we can't wait for you to join us at any of our locations. This is Pastor Joseph Davis. God bless you and join us again.